ברוכים הבאים בשם השם, ברכנוכם מבית השם. Welcome to our Wednesday night year. Tonight's year is Leilu Nishmas, Rebarak ben Avram, who passed away this week. Was his levaya was today. Um, personally, never met Rebarak. Um, actually, his granddaughter, she live and be well, frequents our home as a dear friend of one of my children. And he said we would dedicate tonight's year in his memory. Um, what's going on here? Ironically. Although I did not know him, but it is a very, very powerful Pasha this week, connected <coughs> with just the very, this very issue. It could be we can't do conference. Let's be paid for. Stop it. Pasha's Tiruma. And this week is also Rishkedish other Rishon. Pashtruma begins Vaidabra Shema Mesha Dabra Bra Yisrael took to the Yidin Vikhuli Truma and they take to me Tiruma. Very strange expression. Vikhuli Truma. Rashi immediately translates Li. Um, no, you have to find the uh, the group. The group Skype. That was. The Ikhulitzuma, take it to me, Rashi says, Li means Lishmi to my name. Of course, Vikulitruma. The Khadish say Vitnu Litruma. If you're talking here about giving a truma, giving a mitzdaka to the Almighty, it should say Vikhu Litruma, not Vikulitruma. It's virus. There are four ways of explaining Tera. We spoke many times, Pshat, Remez, Drush, and Said. In the Pshat, it's a simple explanation, Rashi explains, Pshut Shamikra. Remez 
is a way of hint. As we would explain this Pasuk, that the concept of a Yikhuli Truma comes to let us hear that there is a twofold thing going on. There's Vayikhu and Vayitnu. Take and give. Tzedakah, Truma, to be given and to take simultaneously. And therefore, when it says Lilishmi, Vikuli, the one that's receiving the tzedakah should also understand that it's in God's name that the tzedakah is being given. And I've said this explanation, I've recited this explanation many times. We talk in Birchas Hamazin in the grace after meals and we say not through their loans and not through the gifts <laughs> who does not live, who does not receive sometimes a gift, who does not live sometimes a loan needs to be given. If a person needs a loan, and a person needs a gift, so how could I say, in my birches hamazin, How can I possibly say, okay, we're back on the air. Leyle de Avosam and Leyle de Matnas Basavadam. And the explanation I've seen and heard and given is Kim Liotcha Leapsucha. When a person, a recipient of tzedakah, is blessed, is graced with giving, receiving tzedakah, the person should know that it's He's getting it from God. It's not that I'm a belittled person. It's not that I'm a broken person and therefore I need to come on to your charity. But rather, God is distributing to me, what is rightfully mine. You are the banker. And the same here. V'yikhu li. You should give to me. That the person that's giving has to give l'shmi. In my name, in the name of a mitzvah. So what? We all understand that. Person giving tzedakah, of course, is doing a mitzvah. It's his property right now, it's in his pocket. So obviously, when he gives tzedakah, he should give it properly. Although they tell a story, um, I don't remember who it was with. Let me check so I don't misquote it. Shlemer Adomsk. Somebody once gave him a very, very cheap person. Gave him a donation. And he was known to be a miser. So he the Adamska took the money and gave it back to him. And the person gladly took it. Somebody said, Reb, why did you do that? Why did you embarrass the fellow in such a way? 
And he said, if you would have seen how happy he was to take that money back, you'd understand. The person that gives it should be giving with a full heart. But the recipient should also know that I'm not taking it for me, for my family, for my cause, but Lishmi. That the poor person has to know that this is tzedakah given, and the tzedakah being given to me is because of its mitzvah. And this is the, what's brought down in the Sfarim. That the reason that Hashem created the world, that there should be poor people to receive and rich people to give, because if everyone would have, then there would, no, there would not be a concept of kindness and charity. And therefore the poor person who needs to accept tzedakah, needs to be recipient of charity. It's not that through this is his parnasa, but lishmi. It's in order that God's purpose of creating the world, of creating this cycle of the giver and the receiver, should be able to be implemented. And that is Vyikhuli Lishmi. We once spoke about the explanation Shamshun Afal Hirsch explains on the Posik Ka'il Tari Galafike Moyim as the gazelle jumps for the yearning for thirst. And the Shamshun Afal Hirsch asks Dovra Melech writes this, Dovra Melech was a very, very brilliant man. And obviously he knew the laws of Dikduk, the laws of grammar. Ayol is masculine. Ayola is feminine. Tarig, the word Tarig, to jump, is feminine. It should be Arig for masculine. So why does he use Ke'ayol and Tarig? It should say Ke'ayola Tarig. And he explains that Dovra Melech is looking to implement both the Ayol and the Ayola. To imply both of them. That both the Ayol and the Ayola have a certain thirst. The isle tends to eat poisonous snakes. And the poisonous snakes makes them very thirsty. The ayola in turn has another yearning that it cries out for, and that's by childbirth. Because the tomb which the child needs to come out through is very narrow. So when it comes to giving birth, the Ayola needs a boost. And that boost is done through a snake. The snake bites the Ayola, and the Ayola from the shock gives out, pushes out the child. <coughs> so therefore, Dovra Melech uses Ka'ayol and Tarek to imply both, talk about both the male and the female. Alter Rebbe, first Chabad Rebbe, was once sent on a task, or took to a task, of collecting money for Pidyan Shvuim, redemption of people that were a family that was in prison. And upon arriving at a certain town, He came and he asked for an address of a very, very wealthy person who unfortunately was known to be a very big miser. 
And everybody mocked him and said, what are you talking about? You can't go to him. He's horrifically embarrassing. He's humiliating. People that come to him, no matter how prestigious the person is, he gives them a rusty penny. Not rusty. Very clean. He gives them a rusty penny just to make fun of their quote-unquote charity. So Rebbe, please don't do this to us. Please don't make a fool of yourself. Don't make a fool of us. Now the Rebbe said, not only I want to go, I want two Rabbanim to come with me. He said which two Rabbanim should come with him. And he insisted they come with, but not a word. They should not utter a single word. And so it was the Alter Rebbe went with the Sturabanim and they came to the rich man's house and they were of course allowed into the house and they were sat down by the dining room table and sitting by the table they Sitting by the table, the rich man went to his safe and came out with his traditional rusty penny and he sat down in front of the Altarebbe and he handed him the rusty penny. The other two rabbis wanted to throttle the guy. Al-Tarebbe made them promise not to say a word, and they stayed quiet. Al-Tarebbe took the penny and lit up. And he with joy accepted the penny. And he took out a paper to write a receipt, and he began blessing the person. And then on the receipt as well, he wrote a receipt of one penny, and the blessings and blessings he showered him on the paper and verbally... And they stood up to leave. And as they stood up to walk out the door, the rich man saw them to the door. And as the door closed, the other two rabbis said, we should have th- you should have thrown that in his face. Now the rabbi said, Shah, quiet. You've made a deal, no talking. As they started to walk away from the house, the door opened up. And the rich man says, please return, please come back. And they came back into the house, and he sat them down again. And he said, how much do you need for this mitzvah? And the Altarebbe said, 5,000 rubles. And the man reached into his pockets, trembling, and he took out a wad, he says, there's a thousand ruble here. Count it if you'd like. The Altarebbe said, no, 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 please. He took it, and again he started to bless him, and again he started to write the receipt. And again he started to write blessings on the receipt, just like with the rusty penny. They walked out the door, and the other two rabbis were, were shaking, they were trembling. They couldn't believe what they just experienced. But as they walked and he, they tried to say something, the Altarebbe says, Shah, suddenly the door opens up. And the fellow says, Please, Rebbe, come back. And they said, Oh no, he wants his money back. Don't turn around, let's keep walking. The Rebbe said, Kasa Shalom. The Rebbe turned around with them and he came back into the house. And he said, I decided to give you the whole 5,000. I decided to give you the whole 5,000. 
they gave him as they left. The Alter Rebbe explained. You have to take from this man tzedakah. He should appreciate giving tzedakah. Up until now, he was a miser. Yes, he's a miser. But each time someone took the rusty penny, they threw it back in his face. And he never felt the pleasure of giving. Because he never ended up giving. It always came back to him. I took it from him. That rusty penny. With a smile. And with joy. I gave him satisfaction of his giving tzedakah. That in turn opened the faucet, opened the stream flowing. And that in turn saw to it that he wanted to give us the thousand. And then he saw how phenomenal it was to give that thousand. He said, I have to give the whole five thousand. This is V'yikhu lead to Rumah. A very, very mind-boggling Rashi this week. <coughs> Rashi says, I come to explain the simple explanation of the Pasuk. If a Pasuk says something, and that Ben Chomesh Lemikra, that five-year-old child, doesn't understand what the Pasuk is saying, that's what I want to explain. And I'll explain it so that he himself can understand. I don't write, Rashi says, for the intellectuals and for the great geniuses and the scholars. I write for him. For that Berchamish the Mikra. Nope. So let us look at Rashi this week. It's chapter 28, verses 3 and 4. Chavcha Mazal Tov for the Bas Mitzvah. Barav Nachas from Hanalah, from all the others. See, I didn't have a chance to even say it yet. But since you show up in person to get the Bama, Mazal Tov. So we say it. You came just in time. We're, we're discussing a Rashi that makes more sense than any Rashi you've ever learned. The Bechamash the Mikra is learning in the Pasuk, and he looks in the Pasuk and says, V'zeis ha-trumash ha-tikhum e-itam, Zahav ha-chesef un-necheshes, U-sechelas ve-argomon. Now what happens? The Bechamash the Mikra says, Huh? Zav v'chesef, silver, gold, copper, I understand. Argomon? What's Argomon? So Rashi is very kind to the Mechamesh and says, Argomon? What is Argomon? Tzemer, it's wool, tzavua, mimin tseva, that's dyed from a certain tseva, sheshmei, Argomon. It's called Argomon. So Rashi is telling us, what is Argomon? It's Argomon. Rashi's explanation here is that the what is argomon? It's wool that's colored argomon. But I don't know what argomon means. <laughs> so what are you helping me by telling me? Oh, you want to know what purple is? It's purple. They tell a story that Ambam had many problems with the one of the one of the advisors of the king couldn't tolerate the Rambam's brilliance, and especially couldn't tolerate the, the Rambam's. Doctoring. Wow. He couldn't understand, he couldn't tolerate the, doc- the Rambam's being accepted as such a brilliant doctor. Got the napkins. So, one day, the doctor decided, they found out from the Rambam, the Rambam said, that a person that's blind from birth, will never see. person blind from birth will never see. No. <laughs> they figured that that's not a hard thing to do. 
they're going to take a person, they're going to tell him he was blind from birth, they'll pay him a few dollars, and they will heal him. They'll heal him, and they'll disprove the Rambam. Uh, technician, there's yeah. a problem with the camera. No. So they brought in this person, and they interviewed him. And they asked him, were you blind from birth? And he said, yes. And they said, okay. And they showed him two fingers and said, how many fingers do I have? And he said, two. And they said, aha. And they showed him four fingers. How many do I have? He said, four. He said, fantastic. So, they told the, the, the king, you see, that Amram's theory is that you can't heal a person who's blind from birth. And here we have a person blind from birth, and he sees. We cured him. The Rambam says, when did you cure him? They took off the bandages in front of the king. He said, right now, this just, he just witnessed his final stage of his surgery. Aha. So today's the first time you see. He says, yes. You never saw before today. He says, no. The Rambam took out a cloth, a red piece of cloth. And said, tell me, my friend, what color is this? And he says, red. And he took out a blue cloth and says, what color is this? He said, blue. And he asked him another color, and he said it again. The Rambam turns to the king and says, Excuse me, your majesty. You cannot describe a color. If a person has been blind from birth, there's no way that he knows what a color looks like. You can't describe red, blue, green, yellow, anything. So, and all of a sudden, he knows all the colors. If he knows the colors, he must have seen them before. And they investigated and they found indeed he was not blind from birth. And it was all a ploy. Argomon, says Rashi. What is Argomon? It's Argomon. <laughs> what do you want from us, Rashi? But the truth is, Rashi is not coming to explain what is Argomon. He takes the Pasuk, V'yikhuli Truma, we have double. V'yikhu, you should take, and tikhu, that you should take. That tells us that all donations of the Mishkan, the Jews had. It was in their possession. It doesn't say acquire. It says take it. You can only take from something that you have. You can't take from something that's not existent. So let us understand what they had. We see later, and we're going to discuss this. Rashi says, Atzei Shittim. What were the Atzei Shittim? There's a wood that they had. And where did the wood come from? Rashi explains it, and we'll soon discuss that. So we see that there was a question of certain items. And the question of the certain item, there's an item of question, where the item was acquired, Rashi explained it. Because gold, silver, and copper, we know that the Mitzrayim, in the Yamsuf, there was a lot of riches that were spewed out by the, by the Yamsuf, and therefore they got all this together there. Where did they get dyes for the wool? They didn't take from Egypt plates and bowls of dyes. So where did they get something to dye a wool? And that's why Rashi explains, now, Argomon is Tseva Argomon. Why? It doesn't say Tseva Argomon. It says, Tsemer Shutzavua Kvar B'Tseva Argomon. It's a wool that was already colored, that was already dyed in the color of Agarman. So therefore we understand that they had this in, with them in the desert. 
We know already that it said before that the Jews left with Tzayin, Ubakar, Mikna, Kovid, Ma'id. They had many sheep and, and flocks, etc. So obviously they had a lot of wool. And because they had a lot of wool, they had to have different colors. You didn't just have white wool. You had to have the different types of colors. And therefore, when it came to Argoman, they had Argoman. Everything had its purpose. And therefore, as we said before, it says, Atzei Shittim, Rashi asked the question, where did they have in the desert Atzei Shittim? Why did they use this wood rather than any other wood? Now Rashi, again, as we tell you, does not mince words. Every word Rashi says has a reason. Rashi was able to explain things in the minimal wording that anyone can use. And the proof is, in Mesechtis Babasra, we said this, we told this before, Peri Cheskes Abatim, It was one of the first times I ever saw boys get thrown out of a shear. I mean, you know, we were thrown out of class as children, but thrown out of a shear in Bismedish, that was a little too much. But a few Bakram got sent out of a shear. What happened? Very big Talmud Chochem, a very big Rav, a very, very special Chosid. And it came, we were learning Cheska Sabbat in Babasa. And we turn the page and it says, Cheskes Abatim is known as a Pedic which is called the Little Shas. Just like Kufiutes is the Little Tillum, Cheskes <laughs> oh, yeah. is the Little Shas. If you learn through Cheskes Abatim properly, you know almost anything in Shas. No. It's a very hard Pedic. So on the second side of the first page it says, Kan Nistalik Rashi. Here Rashi passes away. Khan Halam Rajbam, Pirish Rajbam. And here onwards is the Pirish is the Rajbam, it's not Rashi. And you see all of a sudden that the explanation gets triple the size. Because Rajbam would not have that power of Rashi's to condense words. Well, how did the guy get thrown out of Shir? When we turned the page and he read those words, Khanistalik Rashi, he turned to Ravushpal of Shalom and he said, Ravushpal. If Rashi couldn't live through this Patek, how are we going to live through it? <laughs> so he said, that's a good joke, but now get out. <laughs> anyway, Atzei Shittim Rashi tells us, for those who are following along now, we are in chapter 28, verse 5. Where do they have this in the Midbar? Says Rashi. Rashi doesn't say just the explanation, but he elaborates. Pirish Rabbi Tanchuma. Rabbi Tanchuma explains. Yaakov Avinu Tzipa Beruach HaKedish HaSidin Yisrael Livnes Mishkin Bamidbar. Yaakov, our father Yaakov, knew, anticipated with Ruach HaKedish that in the future the Jews would build a Mishkan in the desert. And therefore he brought these trees to Egypt and planted them there. And commanded his children, When they leave Mitzrayim to take it with them. Beautiful Rashi. Let us, let's, let's get practical. They could have bought Arozim. They had to build a Mishkan. They could have gone to neighboring towns, neighboring forests on the side of the deserts, and they could have gotten, they had plenty of money. 
Why did Yaakov have to take from Eretz Yisrael, bring it to Egypt, replant it, so that they should take it with them? Now we're going to go off Pshat and off Remez, but we're going to go to Drush. First of all, Rashi is quoting Rabbi Tanchuma. Tanchuma is Lashin Nechoma. Appeasing. As we said today, we are dedicating the Shia to Barak ben Avram Shalom. May his family have a Nechama. May they be condoled. May they cons- consoled as they receive our condolences for their loss. And so too, Tanchuma is a Lashin of Nechama. The Jews were given condolence. What was the Nechama? She'asa Kain Yaakov Avinu. That Yaakov Avinu did this in order to be Menachem, his children in Golis. Sitting in exile, they were told, you're going to have these trees to use to build a Mishkan when you leave. It was a horrific exile sitting in Egypt. The decree of throwing the children into the river, etc. When they saw the Arozim, they got strength. They were refort- they were fortified. And they said, Oh, we know we're going to get out because we have these Arozim and Yaakov promised us we're going to use them for the Mishkan when we leave. So although the Abishta promises them back in Vayigash, if you want to go back to Barashas, chapter 46, verse 4, I will take you up as well. Yes, they heard these words. And they heard the words from Moshe Pokot Pokadati. They knew they were getting redeemed. But it still didn't feel it. They felt the severity of the exile. But when they saw the Arozim, it gave them that sense of, of, of security that they knew that this was going to take them out. They knew that they were going to build a Mishkan. Everything has a purpose. The arozim being planted. The sheep, etc. Many years ago, there was a year that you referred to as the Hele Kerushina. The Hele Kerushina was a very, very holy Rebbe. One day, early morning, into the Rizhina Shul came a a Jew who was unfortunately not in the practicing. As a matter of fact, he walked into the Shul without a yarmulke. And he started to cry and to scream and to yell, Did you daven yet? Did you daven yet? Who is this guy, Larry Yamaka. Did they daven shachas yet? I said, "What's wrong with you?" He said, "I have yotzei today for my father. It's my father's yotzei. I have to say kaddish." Obviously, the fellow observed nothing, but the yotzei of his father all of a sudden kindled a fire within him, and he came running to say kaddish. No, they said, "You're in luck." Calm down, chill out, we're just about to start. And they plopped the yarmulke on his head. Someone came over to bring him twillin, and he said, no, no, that's not necessary. And they said, you're not davening without twillin. And they put him on twillin, they threw a talus over his head, and they're ready to daven. 
Kitzer. He says Kaddish. And he broke his teeth. We can actually play the Kaddish. We have a recording of it. Um, no, no, that would be that was nasty. Okay. Um, he broke his teeth throughout the Kaddish. And the whole shul tolerated it and they listened. Davening finished. And Davening finished, he's ready to run out. And they said, Janusz, Janusz, where are you going? He says, finished. He says, no, 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 no. It's your site. You have to give Kiddush. You have to give Tikkun. Watch that. The Tikkun, Tikkun. We're going to go get your Tikkun. One of the guys runs out. He buys some mashka, some zainus, some this, some that. He comes back. He sets the table up. They push two tables together. And he says, okay. How much do you want for this? They told him how much it costs. He paid for it. No problem. He's ready to walk out. He says, no, 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 no. you got to say, look, I am with us. Sit him down, and all of a sudden the door of the Rujana opens up. And the Rujana walks into the shul. If I was shocked, became quiet, silent. And even Janusz, who believed in nothing, was mesmerized. No. The Rujana says to him, Come, say the Chaim. And the Rishna takes a glass and pours in some vodka and gives it to Yanush. He says, make a bracha, he says, Yanush. Say the Chaim. Yanush was fart, fed up really with his whole shenanigans. And he said, the Chaim will amove us to life and to death. And he drinks it without a bracha. The Rishna bursts out crying. He goes crazy. He's screaming and yelling. Yanish is looking at him. Oh, pasiva. And he says, Do you have any idea what you just did? Do you have any idea what you just did? How are you going? You don't know what you do you know what you just did to your father? And he was in shock, he didn't know what to say. He says, Let me tell you. There's, there's a, a few years ago, a few short years ago, that the father died, right? The guy says, yeah. He says, the father came up to heaven, and in Bezden Shalmaila, they said, you were pretty good, but there's one problem. Janish. Janish is an Izvorf. He's a lowlife. He's not a good person. He's not a practicing Jew. For him, you have to pay. You have to do tshuva for that. Because a lot of that was your fault. So they said, wait for him to do tshuva, he has to come back down to this world. Now you have to understand, and we're not going to go into the concept of reincarnation, etc. Because that's a little bit too Kabbalistic for this year. Um... The reincarnation doesn't always come down in a body of a person. Who? And therefore, the vision explained that this neshama was sent down into a grain of wheat. The grain was planted and grew, ripened, and was gathered only recently. And once it was gathered, it was taken to a distillery. And the distillery ultimately made vodka. And that bottle of vodka went to our grocery, our local store here. And today, the man that went to purchase Tikkun for you, purchased that bottle. 
And your father's neshama was in that battle. And the tikkun, the fixing of your father's neshama would have been for you to make a bracha on that cup and to say l'chaim. You didn't make a bracha, you said l'chaim v'lamoves, to death. You destroyed your father's neshama. At this point, Yanush started shaking beyond. Because there's no way that the Rizhna could have made this up. He saw that this was real. And this is really happening. And he began to scream and to cry, Rebbe, Rebbe, how do I fix this? How do I save my poor father? And obviously he told him that he has to do tshuva, that he has to lead a Jewish way, a Jewish path, and do teda and mitzvahs the way it should be. That way the neshama will rest and be able to rest peacefully. This is the truma you should take. Gold, silver and copper. Gold, I understand. It's beautiful. It's expensive. Silver even. Copper? Where does copper come off to the Besamikdash? To the Mishkan? It is a lowly, the lowliest of metals. And only when there was, God forbid, poverty amongst the Jews, if they had to make something, and there was no money, they made out of copper. At this point in time, the Jews were so rich, that the cups that they used for the Tomid, for the carbon Tomid, was made out of gold. Not just that, in the Besamikdash. And in the Besamikdash. So how could they have copper in the Besamikdash, in the Mishkan? Now we turn to Remez again. This is a hint and implies to the types of Jews and how the Jews serve God. It is brought down that Zov, Kesef and Necheshes are similar to or hint the three concepts, the three types of Jews. Zav is a reference to Gevura, to strength. The service of a person that he serves God in the form of Tshuva. Kesef is Chesed, the Aveda of a Tzaddik. And the Cheshes is the Lushen of Nochosh, the Nochosh Akadmaini, the serpent. This is the Aveda of Rahman al-Etzlan, the Peshe Yisrael, those who do not yet serve God properly. This is what the Jews were commanded to build the Mishkan with. All three types of Jews, everyone is there to build, and not only is everyone there to build, but without all three of them, Jewish nation cannot exist. A person cannot say, I did a certain sin, how can I serve God? How can I do work on helping the Mishkan, which is the reason of the Mishkan is to make a dwelling place for God of this world. How can I be part of that if I did a sin? Tells us the Teda, even the Cheshis, even the Peshi Yisrael, that doesn't even do in a mitzvah, is part of this Mishkan. So much so that the Kesef and the Zav alone do not build, cannot constitute the Mishkan. It needs everyone, all the components need to come into place. The Yanush. And the Rujana, and everyone else that comes into the shul and comes together. There are different parts of the Mishkan, different Kalim that are mentioned in the Mishkan. But there's one, almost what's 
would sound almost like an oddity. B'tabah Sa'orin, on chapter 28, verse 15. There were rings on the Orin, and there were badim, poles that went through it. They can never be removed. The Sefer HaChinuch tells us, Mitzvah 96, Sometimes they would have to travel quickly. They would have to immediately depart. And there would not be accuracy, and it would not be put in properly, the badim would not be put in properly into the taboys. And that was a concern, that they should break. And therefore, they left them inside all the time, in case they ever had to journey, they were able to run. What was the Oroin? The Oroin represented Mishkan Hatera. Is it referred to Adam Aleimet Teira, who bedugmas haorin, ki hu mishkin haTeira? Again in mitzvahs chinuch, seva chinuch. A person studying Teira is compared to the orin, which is the mishkin haTeira. A person could possibly think it could occur to a person when I'm learning Teira, I need to be totally devoted to my Teira study. Not playing games during my shir, not playing, doing other things during the shir, but listening to my tana. And to separate myself entirely from anything, any obstacles, and anything that's going to disturb me. And therefore, while I'm learning, I can't even think of another Jew. Because if he's not part of my learning, I can't think about him now. Some people say when they eat, everybody's dead. <laughs> Same thing here. When I learn, the whole world closes down. We know the famous story of the Alter Rebbe and the Mitla Rebbe. They lived one floor on top of the other. And the Mitla Rebbe was once very involved in his learning and his study. And his son, the baby, in the cradle was crying. But the Mitra Rebbe was so involved, so deeply involved, he didn't hear the crying baby. And he didn't hear the crying baby. The Alter Rebbe went up and took the baby out of the crib and put the baby back to bed. And the Alter Rebbe told him that the cry of the child you must always hear, no matter what you're doing. And so too, this is for a person to say while I'm learning Tate, I can't think of any other Jew. That's not how it works. Just like the Badei HaOrin, these poles that carry the Orin. Even when the Orin was in the Holy of Holies, the Badim had to be with him. So that immediately they can rise up and they can travel. And it can be relocated to another place. The same as a person learning Tana. That whilst he's learning and he's in the Kurdish Kadashim, he's involved so deep in his Tana, he's in the Holy of Holies. And he's learning Tana with diligence and devotion and dedication. He has to be prepared to bring the Torah to a fellow Jew. He can't say that if someone's going to ask me now and trouble me with a question, with a shayla, it's going to interrupt and it's going to make my learning inferior, and therefore I won't help out this other Jew with a question, I won't help out this other Jew with direction. 
But no, this is your mission. The Badim cannot leave, just like they cannot leave, because you need to be prepared to move on constantly. So too, the person needs to be ready, no matter what he's learning, no matter how devoted he is to his Teda, he needs to be prepared to give over to another Jew and to to devote to another Jew. And the same thing we find, what was on the Oren, the Kruvim that were made on top, the Cherubim. Rashi says, the Mutz, Partsuf, Tinuklahem. They looked like little children. The Medrash tells us, a king that had many children, but he loved the youngest more than anyone else. So says the Ebishter. From all the nations, which means that all the nations that I've created is the Jews that I love. And he cites it for the Jews are the youngest, the ones that I love the most. The love of Akadish Baruch Hu to the Yid is like the father who loves his youngest child. And the Sfarim Chassidus explains the reason that a father loves the youngest more than the rest is because the love of a father to the youngest child is with no no hinges attached. Nothing, no fringes attached. Excuse me. He doesn't say, I don't love him because he's so smart, because he's so this, because he's so that. He's so talented because he has such good midas. The child has not developed anything yet. My uncle Sholem used to say, I don't understand what happened to those brilliant children. <laughs> when they were little they spoke so quickly and they spoke so beautifully and eloquently and they said such smart things they grew up and they became such idiots um, and therefore the child, the father loves the child unconditionally this can only be by the youngest child the older children he already experienced the father experienced with them he had his shortcomings with them he had the shortfalls he had this he had the budding heads etc etc the youngest child he never had this and therefore the love is so unconditional so too is the love of HaKadosh Baruch Hu to the Jews this love that Hashem has is not because the Jews are so special because the Jews are so great, because they're so brilliant, it's like the father love of the father to the youngest child. This is a love for unconditional love, because the Jews' soul is chelik of the kamim al mamish, and that's why the faces of the kruvim were the face of a little child, because this hints the great love that the Almighty has for the Jewish children. And the dogma of the love of the father to his youngest son. And so too is the love of sure, of course of Rebarach ben Avram to his family. And so since we know that the Almighty loves us to such an extent, we are sure and guaranteed that as a Shkedish Adr comes in, and we are not just going to have Mishinichnas Adr, Marbim Besimcha, not only as Adr comes in, we add in Simcha, we add in Simcha Kafel Keflayim, Kafel Keflayim, Keflayim Teshia. We have a double dose of other. We have other Aleph and other Beis. Sixty days of Simcha, and Mishenichnas other as other comes in, Marbim Besimcha. Every day we need to add Simcha. The second day of other has to have more Simcha than the first day of other. And we have to go and we will go from strength to strength, Simcha to Simcha, till the Simcha, Mitus Vashlema, of Geulas Melech HaMashiach, this very Shabbos, Shabbat Shalom.